Happy birthday to you. <laughs> oh. So <laughs> this year, Corinne, it, your birthday falls between two episodes. And this year, Corinne, has been very difficult for the whole world. So this year, Corinne, we're giving you two birthday episodes. Serena, <laughs> we need to give you two birthday episodes, too. You know, Bigfoot and I collaborated a lot on this birthday, and we <laughs> both agreed that this should be, you know, a birthday encounters episode and a birthday regular episode. I love it. Thank you. <laughs> You're so welcome. My birthday is August 3rd, which is a Monday, if anyone is like, what's happening? What was Sabrina singing happy birthday for? <laughs> so it's coming up. Yeah, I think it comes out, uh, it's, this episode comes out August 2nd, and your birthday is the very next day. What are you going to do to celebrate? I'm going to be home in Vermont, and my brother's home, my parents. So I'm sure over the weekend we'll do some little celebration. My mom always makes me carrot cake. <gasps> yeah. And my plan for the actual day, I took Monday off of work, and I want to go paddle boarding. So I'm going to go paddleboard around. Mm -hmm. And then also, I've been seeing on the internet that Brian Weiss, who is the author of Many Lives, Many Masters, he's this like 35-minute hypnosis, past life regression therapy sound. And people are taking this essentially like YouTube course of his and figuring out all of their past lives or like seeing at least one or two past lives come to be present. And people are super, super affected by this and <gasps> are like coming out of it crying and with this whole new meeting. So I'm going to go paddle boarding and then I'm going to try to trigger a spiritual awakening. Can I be present? So is it I have lots of questions. Is it a YouTube thing that you follow along with? Yes. Yes. It's a YouTube video. It's 35 minutes long. So if anyone is planning, I mean, I haven't done it yet. I've only been reading the million little comments and threads that people have going based on it. From what I hear, because it's on YouTube, it does have ads. Oh. So if you're going to listen to it, make sure, I don't know how to get rid of ads, either get rid of them. I think like YouTube or, Red or something to buy. I don't know. Okay. Well, if you don't want to do that, just make sure you don't have the volume on super, super loud because I think from what I've read, his voice compared to the sound <laughs> volume of ads can be a little scary. I'm sure. But yeah, it's just on YouTube. It's free. 35 minutes. I know you're going to say no to this and whatever. It's fine. It's just need to put it on there in the universe. We should record it. <laughs> Maybe I'll record it in the privacy of my own little space. Because I don't know. Yeah. But I don't guess. you want to like remember? Because if it's kind of a hypnosis, then how do you know you'll remember everything? Wouldn't you want to record it so you remember for yourself? You don't have to share it with everyone unless it's like really cool and you want to. But you do have to share it with me. Okay. We're not going to make a hard decision on this yet because <laughs> I don't, I haven't sped through the video enough yet to know if he's actually asking you questions or if he's just telling you to think about things. So I don't know if it's like a call and response thing where you'd even hear anyone. It might be more of like a meditation. Ugh. I can't wait to hear about it. That is so cool. Yeah, I'll let you know. Not next episode because we're for me to have some more birthday time. We're recording back-to-back -back episodes. So, but in the next encounters episode, I'll I'll report back. Oh my gosh, I can't wait to hear. Yeah, that's so cool. Anyway, this is a two girls, one ghost. Two girls, one ghost. And we are your ghostesses. That's birthday girl Corinne. Hi. And I'm Sabrina. And currently, I kind of look like. I'm trying to hide my identity on a documentary. You do. You're very cloaked out. I feel like we should give you a voice changer app for this episode. Hello. Uh, I have a lot to say about, I don't know why Epstein jumped into my mind, but. 
I think that there's a lot of that out there. Um, okay, well, this is Corinne's birthday encounters. I feel suddenly pressured because I wasn't thinking about it being my birthday episode. And so I did not choose stories with Bigfoot. (laughs) Well, that's okay, because I chose one for you. Okay. And well, that's the beauty of your birthday. You don't have to do anything. I mean, you will because this is some this is a job, but there are two people. There are two people here. It would be very weird if you just sat there the whole time and stared at me. But (laughs) I went out of my way and chose things for you. Oh, thank you. Okay, I went so far out of my way. Just really did the most, you know, just way more than than normal. Okay, well, this is from Matt and it's called Dad Sightings, Bigfoot, UFOs and Ghosts. Oh, my. I realized that. These people emailed us and many of the emails have been sitting in our inbox for like two or three years. But for some reason, when you said this is from Matt, I wanted to be like, thank you, Matt, because I now I feel like everyone just sent an email specifically for me to hear on my birthday. And I, that is how you should feel on your birthday. <laughs> thank you, Matt. Thank you, everyone. <laughs> okay. Hello, Matt here. Relatively new listener, but have been binge listening at work a lot. Anyway, you mentioned the topic of haunted dads and ghost dads, and my dad has witnessed a good amount of paranormal occurrences and is a big believer in ghosts, UFOs, and especially Bigfoot. First, his UFO encounter. So while my dad was in the military, he was on a large naval vessel in the middle of the ocean where he needed to pick up the night watch from another person on the deck of the ship. When my dad greeted this man, the person on watch told him as he left to keep an eye on three lights that kind of looked like stars because he stated that he saw them zoom to where they were now out of literally nowhere. So now, as my dad stood on the deck, he looked up to see the three lights that were pointed out to him were now two. So he kept an eye on the two lights and watched as he saw one of the lights zoom off into the distance while the other one zoomed off in the opposite direction. The next morning, he reported the lights to his superior, who stated to him another person also on watch at the time, but on the opposite side of the vessel reported seeing the same exact thing down to the very last detail. So, UFO. The Bigfoot sighting happened when my dad was a child out camping with his father in Arizona. Other campers at this site stated for the last few nights, a bear had run into camp quickly, picked up food, and carried it off into the woods in one motion. But my dad later realized when he was older that bears usually tear into food when they find it, and picking up food in the way that was described would only be possible by a bipedal creature. My dad and grandpa at the time did not have any money for a tent, but had a station wagon where they both could sleep in the back, and that's where my dad woke up one night in the middle of camping to see a very large, dark figure, much larger than his own father, with the light from the moon reflecting off of this monster's eye, staring down at him from outside the car before springing off. Finally, the ghost encounter that happened during the day. So before my dad joined the military, he joined a ghost hunting group that used old tape recorders, Polaroid cameras, and a psychic that joined them now and then. His ghost hunting group, the psychic, and himself went to an old history museum where the buildings dated back to colonial times where the employees dress up in period clothing and act out and showcase the history. My dad went into a two-story old cabin that was part of the museum and saw a blonde woman in a light blue dress with a bun standing at the top of the staircase. My dad thought this woman was a tour guide for the cabin, and he turned around to the only exit and entrance to the cabin and called out to his ghost hunting group. He called out saying that he found a tour guide to give him a tour of the museum. 
But when he turned back to the woman, he found that she was gone without a sound. How had she left the building when the only exit and entrance was where he was standing? My dad climbed the stairs to look for her, but could not find any sign of her. And then the rest of his ghost hunting group joined him and the psychic entered the cabin and immediately was in shock. The psychic said that she saw blood literally pouring from the staircase and covering the walls closest to it. And she was receiving visions of a blonde woman in a light blue dress lying dead on the second floor. Oh, anyway, keep up the amazing podcast. You have yourself a new dedicated follower. Don't touch a Ouija board and don't be afraid to tell off a ghost. Sincerely, Matt. Oh, wait, he said scare seriously, Matt, instead of sincerely. Oh, (laughs) that's a lot of very different and yet crazy paranormal experiences. We have UFOs. We have Bigfoot. We have ghosts and murders, basically. So wild. The UFO thing reminds me so much of in college when I was with a group of people out on a balcony and we all saw three lights over the ocean. Oh, gosh, man, that's so it's so cool to have an experience like that where it feels far enough away that you're like, whoa, look at what I just saw. But then to actually be face to face, like in the back of a truck with a towering, leering, hairy, glowy creature that's staring at you too. Yeah. That would be scary. That would be scary. Extremely scary. And the way that he was describing the Bigfoot creature to be sort of like darting away just creeped me out. I feel like motion that is too slow or motion that is too fast is the scariest thing in the world. Like just be normal pace. Also, it gave me like, I know maybe he thought it was Bigfoot and that Bigfoot was like stealing the food, but it gave me real werewolf vibes. Maybe it was just like the moonlight Mm. in his eye, but... I don't know. And then moving so quickly because werewolves could probably, if it's humans that transform into werewolves, then they could be bipedal. They could be on two feet. 100%. It's so, that's such an interesting, like, I, I don't know why based on all of the things that we talk about on this podcast that I've never thought about werewolves as being a paranormal creature. Usually when I think of werewolves, I think I guess not of how they would actually apply to our present world. I think of them as these fictional beings, but we're a paranormal podcast. And so we could totally, for a moment, think about what would happen if there really are werewolves out there. And my question is, how would you identify someone to be a werewolf? And out of everyone that you presently know in your life, who would you put money on as being a midnight werewolf? Like, are there people that you can pinpoint? I feel like I'd be a suspect because I go home at like midnight every time we're like, we're going now. I'm like, all right, it's clock struck 12. I'm going home. It's either that or your Cinderella, which, which one is it? We don't know. (laughs) I don't know. I was trying to think of someone who's really hairy and you did not come to mind because I don't think of you as very hairy. That's because your girl owns a razor. (laughs) If I didn't. You'd see some shit. Same. I would say like more like my family, like my brother. He's a hairy beast. Yeah. Uh, We're all just werewolves hanging out and trying to uh, prep our bodies to face the sun appropriately (laughs) or in the way that we like. Although I've really been leaning into long periods of time between shavings. Yeah. You know, sometimes nowadays it's just a little inconvenient. I don't really want to do it. Like, who cares? Why do you care what my hair looks like? If I want to have armpit hair one week, let me. I agree. And I will let you. Thank you. You're welcome. 
Uh, well, I have a story. It's called A Glimpse of My Fifth Roommate and My Grandma Might Be a Witch. Ooh. It is from Luz. Hi, Corinne and Sabrina. I've written emails to you before, but the more I've listened to your podcast, the more I want to share an encounter I had in my college dorm room five years ago. Ahem. <laughs> I love that. Ahem. <clears throat> That's in the email. That's so good. It's in the <laughs> <Yes>. email. <laughs> It is my first year of college, and I was assigned to the freshman housing building that everyone knew as haunted. Almost everyone who ever slept in that building had a story or heard one from someone else. Having experienced paranormal encounters before this didn't faze me as much. However, it all changed two months into my first semester. Before I started, I want to give a quick layout. My dorm room was at the end of the third floor hallway, and if you entered through my door, you would see windows all around, except for on your left, where you would see a closet door, and next to it, the bathroom door. And inside of the bathroom was a second door that led to my sweet mate's room. Therefore, four girls shared one bathroom. Sounds like our dorms. Yeah. Okay. Back to my story. It's the end of my first class, and I needed to go to my room real quick to pick up my binder and use the restroom. As I was walking towards my room, I can see a girl walk from my bed to my bathroom. Keep in mind that all the curtains were open so I could easily see from outside in. I quickly assumed that this was my roommate. I'm walking up the stairs, and as I enter the room, I can hear the toilet flush and the sink water going. I place my belongings on the bed, grab what I needed, and wait for about 30 seconds since I hear the water stop, and then silence. I open the bathroom door to go pee, and while I was using the bathroom, I can hear clear crying from the other side of the door. The type of tears that you would cry when your boyfriend breaks up with Aww. you. I yell out my sweet mate's name. Let's call her Becca. Becca. Hey, Becca, are you okay? No answer. As I'm washing my hands, the crying gets significantly louder now. And I'm like, oh, wow. Okay, I got to go check on her. And I begin to knock on the door. Becca. Hey, I'm going to come in, okay? And as I open the door, the crying stops. I hear sniffles. I go inside, but there's no one. My sweet mate's room was completely empty. The door locked, windows closed, no one was there. Whoa. I quickly realized that no one was there the entire three minutes since I had arrived, grabbed my binder, and used the bathroom. I'm not lying when I say that every hair on my body stood up and my heart dropped. I quickly grabbed my backpack and I ran out of there. I texted all of my roommates asking them where they were and they all said that they were in class. I even texted my friends who had classes with them and they all verified that they were there the entire time. This made me nauseous because this also meant that the girl that I saw in my room was not my roommate either. Even if it was one of their friends, I would have walked in on them because there's only one route to go in and out of our hallway, so I would have seen her, but I never saw anyone. After this happened, we had our closet door open every night, and I know this because of two reasons. Our closet door was on an old heavy door, so you needed to pull it open, and it got to the point where I asked my roommate, Hey, I don't really like when you open the door at night. Is it okay if we keep it locked? And her response was, I don't either. I thought it was you who opened it every night. <gasps> oh, Ooh, chills. To this day, I still get chills when I think back to that room. I have way more stories to share, like my mother getting a hug from my deceased grandpa and my almost 100% certainty that my grandmother may be a witch because she has shared with me many odd things on what to do when someone hurts my feelings or stops my sadness, tricks, and charms every time I go visit her in Mexico. 
And also, this would explain why my mother and I have had too many encounters and weird feelings when we meet people or go places we've never been before, but are 100% sure we've been there before. Oh, that's cool. Anyway, I love the podcast and you two ghouls. See you on the other side. Lose. Um, okay. I want to know what college this is because I know because I'm like, did she live in the same dorm room as me? <laughs> this sounds super familiar. But the fact that they were, she like saw so many of her friends, you know, like her roommate, she had a glimpse of and she saw someone walk into the bathroom, like all of these things. Yeah. It seemed like it was very clear that one person was inside the dorm because as she saw through the windows, like approaching right. the building, she saw someone walk through the room. Yeah, it's just there's too much. Like there was someone there. And then the crying and everything and even the washing the hands and the the order that's like the toilet flushed, then the water turned on to wash hands, then the water turned off, then someone went into the other like ensuite, the other suite yeah. that attached to the bathroom and like closed the door. Like just the sequence of events was so like normal and human and part of our like modern day routine. Yeah, but none of it like seems bad. It all just seems like there's something else living there with them. And like the opening of the closet at night implies that someone's like, you know, getting their clothes. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I need to know where. Can you tell us where you went to college? So we can go back because we want to go to college again. I don't want to do anything I've done in my life again. I'm done. I'm moving on. Sometimes I do want to go back just because it was simpler times. Like there is just less to think about then, you know? I guess that's true. I don't want to go back to like, I don't know. I think that there was a lot of like self-discovery and a lot of undiagnosed anxiety for me in college. Mm -hmm. But I really like the idea of living the way that we did before, which was either everybody was on campus or everyone was in like a two mile radius of each other outside of the campus yeah. gates. And I really liked that. It was like basically living in a little gated community. I have an email. It's called Shadow People Messed With My Underwear featuring Jacques the Asshole Ghost. Spooky. And she says, I go by Jordan, but you're welcome to attempt the French pronunciation. And I'm going to put my French skills to the test. Her name is Jordan. Jordan. That's French, right? Jordan. Jordan. Hi, ladies. This is a pretty long story about some fucked up encounters I had at a friend's house several years ago. I'm still not sure if I dealt with one spirit or several or if the spirit or spirits were evil or just mischievous. So I'd love to hear your opinions. Anyway, here is my story. Back in 2013, I used to be engaged and at the time I was very good friends with my ex's cousin. We'll call her T. Since T and I were close, it wasn't unusual for me to be at her house all of the time. The house is a big log cabin-styled home in the woods of northeastern Pennsylvania. And before I began frequenting T's home, I'd already heard that it was very haunted. Even my ex, who refused to acknowledge anything paranormal, admitted that something about the house really creeped him out. The first time I experienced something at T's house, it was mild. Like most people from northeast PA, I used to smoke like a chimney. So, one evening, I was outside smoking by myself near the glass screen door on the back porch. When I was finished, I pulled on the door handle, but the door wouldn't budge. I gave the handle several shakes, but to no avail. Finally, I started knocking as loud as I could until T's stepmom let me in. As she opened the door, she chuckled and said, Looks like someone didn't want you coming back in. A more severe encounter happened the first time I slept over T's house. When I arrived, I dropped my bag on the bedroom floor 
and I immediately noticed something strange. T's closet was duct taped shut. Without me asking, she explained that the ghosts had been opening her closet door again, hence the duct tape. Creepy, but okay. We went on with our night and went out for dinner and drinks and note that no one else was home at the time. But T still kept her bedroom door shut so the dog, a big smushy bloodhound, wouldn't come in and slop her on all of our stuff. When we returned later that evening, T opened her bedroom door and yelled, Oh, hell no. I rushed up to meet her and this is what we saw. My bag was unzipped, ripped open, and all of my clothes and personal items were strewn across the room, underwear and all. And last but not least, the closet door had been thrown wide open. The duct tape that T affixed to it now was uselessly hanging on the sides. We were both scared, so we quickly taped the door back into place, and I gave the doorknob a few pulls for good measure to make sure it was in place, and it was clear that whatever opened the door would have needed considerable strength to rip it open the way that it did. The rest of the night was uneventful until we fell asleep. T had a big bed, so we both slept in it. She slept on the side near to the closet door, and I slept on the side that faced a dresser with a vanity mirror. We'd both been drinking rum cocktails before bed, so sleep came very easily, until it didn't. It was the middle of the night when I woke up to T gasping and shooting upright. Rolling onto my back, I looked at her in the faint moonlight. She was just sitting there, staring ahead. Jordan, she whispered. It's in here. I can't remember how I responded to her, but I assume I tried to calm her down. She eventually laid down again, and I turned back onto my side. For no particular reason, my eyes flickered to the vanity mirror, and I felt my skin prickle and my blood run cold. In the reflection was the farthest corner of the bedroom. Standing there was a figure. Its outline was clear in the blue light from the window. It was abnormally tall, its head nearly touching the ceiling. Its thin, lanky figure was unnatural and cartoonish. It didn't move nor did it make a sound. It loomed, dark and perfectly still, in the corner. My chest and ears pounded, and I whispered to T, Is it standing in the corner? She whispered back, Yes. I have no idea how we fell back asleep. Maybe it was the rum, but we did. Nothing else really happened that night, but I had a horribly vivid dream. I dreamt that a figure was kneeling at my side of the bed, its face hovering nose to nose with me. Its features were blurred and gray, and its eye sockets were the blackest black. Eventually, morning came, and the figure was gone, but the activity did not stop. While T was taking a shower down the hall, I changed in her room with the door shut. Once I was finished getting ready, I hung out on the bed and played on my phone, when suddenly the door quivered in the threshold, and then there was scratching. I looked up, looked at the door, and the scratching quickened and strengthened, I could actually see the door shaking and shuddering from the blows. At first, I thought maybe it was the dog, so I called the dog's name, but the scratching persisted. The motion was so vigorous that the bed started to tremor underneath me. Though I kept telling myself it was the dog, my gut told me not to open the door. So I stayed put, and I stared at the door until the scratching stopped. When T returned, I told her what had happened, and she gave me a strange look and told me the dog was outside on the lead. I looked out the window, and sure enough, The dog was lounging on the driveway. Ooh, that gives me so many shivers. (laughs) (sighs) Fast forward a few months later, T and I were out for lunch when we decided to get a Ouija board because we were 22 and stupid. So we got the -the glow-in-the-dark kind from Toys R Us, and after successfully using it at someone else's house, we decided to try it out at T's house. 
We invited my friend N to join us because he was into the paranormal too. And because T had a huge crush on him and I was trying to hook that shit up. Anyway, we took the board down to the basement of the house. And side note, the basement is an existing feature of the original house that T's family built on top of. The previous house burned down a long time ago, which is important later. The basement had a few different rooms, so we decided to set up all the way in the back. The room was basically a man cave in a concrete box. There was a bar with stools, a bar-style mirror, a fridge full of dad beer, and that was about it. Anne and I sat next to each other at the bar with the board in front of us, and T sat opposite of us with a notebook and pen to transcribe the messages. After lighting some candles and shutting off the overhead lights, N and I moved the planchette in circles and we asked if anyone was there. Based on past Ouija board experiences, I figured it would take a bit of time for things to warm up. I also expected the planchette to move slowly, but neither of those things were true. Not a second passed when the planchette dragged itself to yes. I say drag because N and I both felt a weight on the tip of the planchette. It felt like something was grabbing and pulling it away from us. Since T wasn't participating and N and I were sitting beside each other, it was impossible for us to make it move the way it did. I was scared, and N, who wasn't easily shaken, whispered, Oh shit. We went on to ask the spirit's name, and as the planchette moved, it felt like my arms were being jerked across the board. It spelt J-A-C-Q-U-E-S, Jacques. It was not the name we expected since regional heritages were largely Irish and Eastern European. It chilled me, though, because I'm the only person I know in my area that's of French heritage with a French name. The session went on for a good half hour or more, so for the sake of length, I'll summarize. The conversation went back and forth with questions and answers, and Jacques answered all of our questions with unusual speed. Most chilling was our discovery that a dozen or more spirits were in the home. They were men, women, and children. And when we asked Jacques how he died, he spelled F-I-R-E, fire. Yep. Then things went terribly wrong. Without the prompt of a question, the planchette began moving. It went straight for the numbers at the bottom of the board, beginning at zero and moving backward to nine, eight, seven, six, five, etc. I always heard that letting the spirit count down to one could result in a possession or the spirit escaping the board. So I quickly intercepted. I told Jacques to stop it and the planchette swooped to no before sliding back to zero, starting the process all over again. Zero, nine, eight, seven, six, five. I said stop again with a firmer voice, but it yielded the same result. This went on for several minutes, me scolding the ghost and the ghost telling me no like a stubborn child. Jacques mostly counted down the numbers, but he also tried going through the alphabet backwards. Ooh, I haven't heard that one before. Jacques even caused the planchette to trace figure eights on the board a few times. I didn't know what that meant at the time, but I could tell it was not good. I told Jacques to say goodbye because we didn't want to talk to him anymore, but it didn't work. He wouldn't stop saying no and returning to his creepy nonsense. Finally, N tried something different. He started asking Jacques questions again, and this seemed to distract the spirit from trying to eat our souls. N asked, what do you want us to do? The planchette flew to D, then I, then E. Goosebumps dotted my skin. He just spelt die. N asked, why do you want us to die? And immediately the planchette went to J, then O. And I remember having an awful feeling that the planchette was 
would spell my name, but then it went to I and ultimately spelled these two words. Join us. <laughs> Eventually, Jacques began to flat out ignore N's questions and went back to counting down the numbers or the alphabet. Me, using my firm voice again, demanded that Jacques say goodbye. And it took several tries, but after a while, the planchette slid so hard to goodbye that a part of the plastic slid off the board. N and I immediately flipped the board over and switched on the lights. And after that, we left the basement and N and I went outside to smoke. I remember T was pretty mad at us for asking questions that prompted such scary answers. After all was said and done, we were thoroughly terrified and we tried to keep our Ouija board session a secret from T's family since her stepmom was a believer and we didn't want to piss her off. It turned out our efforts were all for naught because a psychic ratted us out. So, uncoincidentally, activity at the house worsened since the Ouija board incident, and T told me that things were going missing, there were disembodied footsteps pounding up and down the stairs, and one time the poor dog painfully reacted to something as if something had kicked her. So T's stepmom had a psychic come to the house, and I don't know everything that transpired there, but I was told that the psychic said this. A Ouija board was used in this house, and it summoned an angry spirit named Jack. Needless to say, I haven't touched a Ouija board since, and I have no idea if Jacques was the same spirit entity as the black figure that haunted us that one rum drunk night, or if he was the same spirit that panty raided my bag, but it's plain to see that something sinister occupied that house. Hope you enjoyed my story. Take care and keep up the great work. Sincerely, Jordan. Wow. Oh my gosh. I feel like when we talk about Ouija board experiences, oftentimes the given is that it's, I don't know, like Zozo or something yeah. will come forward and announce itself. But this seemed like demon level, but was under the guise of being just a normal human, which makes me wonder if there are a bunch of spirits out there that are essentially the same and aren't necessarily categorized as demons, but are like just as um, motivated by doing evil things to humans. So like possession or jumping out of the board or whatever. I mean, we've talked about this before, but and I think in the Ouija board episode that we did that their theory is that Zozo isn't actually a demon, but that there are spirits that use that name as a fear tactic. But like, which for sure, to each their own, to each ghost their own. But for Jacques, if you're Jacques, like, I'd be like, I'm going to do my own thing. I'm not going to be Zozo. I'm going to be Jacques. I'm going to be me. Like, you know, that they all follow that same behavior, but they're actually all independent ghosts. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, it's all so creepy. Yeah. I'm glad that they all came out the other end. Yeah. Same. Safely. And it's, you know, what's even more validating. I mean, not that you need validation because clearly like encounters often only times happen to one person, an individual, or maybe in this case, like for example, when using a Ouija board, a couple people. Right. But how how validating is it to know that a psychic or a medium came in and knew exactly what happened? I'd be like, give me your contact card because I trust that you know everything now because you picked up on exactly what happened. And I, I need to come to you for other things now, too. <laughs> but then also imagine being a mom and you like you're like, my house is so haunted to the point where I need to get a psychic here. And then you learn that your children played with a Ouija board. I would not be happy. Someone is not getting ice cream after dinner. No. 
It reminds me when I was home in Vermont, the ice cream truck went by and my mom and I ran out and got <laughs> ice cream. And we have a like nest camera in our front yard. And my dad got a notification that someone was like right by our front steps. So he opened it. He was at work and he saw me and my mom getting ice cream from the ice cream truck. Oh, God, that's so good. It's like, wow. Wow, you guys. <laughs> I love it. Okay. This is a story from Grim, the local ghost queen, and it's called Burned in Hoofprints. Ooh. Okay, so I wrote you guys before about the time that I was potentially possessed, but I thought I'd write in again and let you know about the time something burned hoofprints into my friend's stairs. She and I lived together in her parents' house for a while when we were younger, and most of the house just had a really weird vibe, but especially the dining room. To the point that I would sprint past it whenever I had to go buy it. A lot of shit happened in this house, but not the room that we shared since we saged regularly. Always remember to sage. It was like our haven in an otherwise terrifying house. The first instance was when we were getting ready for a night out, and I was sitting at the top of the stairs waiting for her to finish getting ready. At the base of her stairs was the front door, and to the left, the hallway to the living room, that wrapped around and also went into the kitchen. To the right was the big open doorway to the dining room. It was almost always pitch black in there, and I just always hated it. I mean, like, hated it. Well, as I'm sitting there on the stairs chatting with her while she finished her makeup, I looked down the stairs and saw something staring (gasps) back up at me. No. It was peeking around the wall from the dining room. Okay, gonna go turn on all the lights and sage real quick, because recounting this story always makes me feel so fucking paranoid. (laughs) Anyway, I could see its creepy little bony fingers grabbing the doorway like it was bracing itself as it leaned around. It wasn't human. It wasn't a ghost. It was a solid fucking figure, black and red and gray, almost charred looking, staring up at me. I immediately looked away and pretended I saw nothing. And I was already known as a big chicken and I didn't want to make it worse. So fast forward about a week, we're chilling in the room And I think we're watching Supernatural or something. I don't know. But we heard scratching at the window on the second floor. We both froze in panic and then started laughing our asses off when we realized that a storm was rolling in and it was really windy outside. So tree branches, duh. Until the next morning when we went downstairs to the backyard to smoke and realized that there was literally no trees anywhere near her window. Yeah, not fun. Fast forward again, maybe like two nights. I wake up in the middle of the night with a full bladder, and I didn't think to look at the time, but it had to be around midnight to 3 a.m. I go to the bathroom, which is positioned directly at the top of the stairs, with her room to the right and her sister's to the left. I do my business, wash my hands, open the door, and before I flip off the light, as soon as I open the door, I saw it. A giant figure, at least 8 to 10 feet tall, standing at the bottom of the stairs. Doors are generally 6 feet tall. And her ceilings were vaulted, 12-foot ceilings, and it took up most of the space. I sprinted the couple of feet back to the room and ended up waking her up by salting the doors and windows and staging the fuck out of that house. I also sat down to quickly sketch out what I'd seen before I forgot any details. Photo attached. The next morning, our other friend came over so that we could all go thrifting together. A ritual of ours. When we got back home, I went up with my first haul, and the next thing I know, my friend comes storming into the room, yelling at me about not wiping my feet. I look at my boots. They're clean. Like, no way could I have stepped in anything. It was clean. 
She turned paper white and just goes, uh, come here. I follow her back down the hallway and my blood runs cold because there, burned into the carpet stairs, are three hoof prints. A left one on the bottom of the stairs, a right one two stairs up, and another left one another two stairs up. Photo of one of them is attached. We decided it was time to sage the entire house, recharge the crystals, salt the shit out of everything, and never talk about it again. I moved out shortly after that, but she never told me of anything drastic happening again. She and I eventually stopped talking, but reunited at one point, and I went back with her to her parents' house to visit. They had ripped up the carpet and replaced it with hardwood. The prints wouldn't come out. Signed, Grim, the local ghost queen. Wait, the hoof prints wouldn't come out? The hoof prints wouldn't come out. Ew. I feel like I'm doing something wrong by even clicking on the photo to look at it, but... Oh, God, chills down my whole body. Ooh, it's so creepy. Her sketch of it kind of looks... I mean, it's like humanoid figure. It looks a bit alien-like. But even the bent-in legs, yeah, it's very alien-esque and also kind of... Oh, my gosh, what are... What are those beings that are half human, half horse? Centaur? Centaurs. It's like the front of a centaur. Ooh, so creepy. Weird. So creepy. And all of this was happening so quickly, it sounds like. She didn't live there for a super long time. So for these these things to kind of be like, it was gaining energy. Yeah. And the fact that sage didn't help. And salt and all that, because she was doing that the night before. And then the hoof print showed up after. That's unsettling. It almost like... The way that the marks haven't left makes me, and this is like obviously not a nice thought, but sometimes I don't have, I have those. It makes me think like the house has been marked for something, you know, like Mm. those prints will be there until whatever it wants to fulfill has been fulfilled. Oh, that's so scary for whoever buys the house. I know. Move out. It's like you go house hunting, you move into a place, or you're viewing a place, and you're like, wow, hardwood floors, <laughs> this is beautiful, let me buy it. And then if you don't know that, maybe you just think it's like a weird print in the wood, you don't think it has any... Right. Ugh. Here's a question, and I would love to hear from people who have done this. Has anyone gotten a psychic reading on a house before buying slash moving in? Yeah, I don't know what the home buying process is like, but I mean, you send... You send your inspector to go check out if anything's wrong with the home. So couldn't you send couldn't you send a psychic as well? Let's do it. Or do you just need to like team up with a psychic from the get-go and have them come to all of the house viewings with you and be like, this is my friend. I mean And then after be like, what was in there? I don't really have any friends like that though. Me neither. We should get some. We need more friends. Find more of our our people. Yeah. Um, if anyone wants to come house hunting with me, that's a psychic. I'm accepting applications. <laughs> me too. I want to just tag along. <laughs> I just want to watch. FaceTime me in. I'll let you know if I see anything in the background of the video. This is going to be a whole group effort now. The owners of the house are going to be like, eh, we don't even want to accept <laughs> this offer. These people are wacko. The beauty is that most times the owners are not home. Pretty much all times the owners are not in their house. Thank goodness. Okay, I picked this story for you because it's not Bigfoot, but it's about cuddling, and I wish I could give you a big cuddle on your birthday, (laughs) and... I was like, where is this going? Who do I cuddle with, Sabrina? (laughs) And also, maybe this is the year that you get to cuddle with Bigfoot, you know, so many 
so many stretches that I applied to this story. Okay, so this is from Chelsea, and it's called, Did I Just Get Cuddled by a Shadow Boy? Hey ladies, I've been obsessed with your podcast and have drafted another message that I have never sent, but this just happened this morning and I needed to write to you. So I'll set the scene. I'm staying at my stepsister's apartment for the night to watch my 11-year-old nephew, and we end the night watching an Avengers movie, and he goes into his room, and I went to go sleep in my sister's bed. I work Sundays, so I wake up between 5 and 5.15 a.m. My alarm goes off at 5, and I go, nope, and reset it for 5.15 and lay back down. Then I hear the bedroom door open, and I'm too tired to sit up, turn around, and look, knowing that the only other person in the apartment was my nephew— or so I thought. So I feel him crawl into the bed and he cuddled me for a minute and then stood up on the bed near my feet and I go to tap him with my arm and said, come on, Sean. And I felt myself tapping what I thought was my nephew. But then I look up to see this pure black shadow figure, the size of a little boy just standing there. Ooh, ooh, no. All of a sudden, I couldn't move or speak and all I thought was, what the fuck? That's not Chon. And then the figure disappeared into thin air and I was able to move again. My first instinct was to run out of the apartment, but being the responsible auntie that I am, I stayed until my dad came to pick him up at 6.30 a.m. I was on high alert the entire time I got ready for work and felt so confused by the whole situation. I wanted to call my niece, who was totally into ghosts and shadow men, but being so early on the weekend, I waited to tell her until I got out of work. When I told her, she informed me that when her close friend slept over a few weeks ago, her friend also woke up in the middle of the night and saw a shadowy figure standing in the corner of my niece's room, pointing towards my niece. Needless to say, my niece requested my saging services before she'll sleep there again. Thanks again for everything you do. This will always be my favorite podcast. Oh, Chelsea. Oh. From Chelsea. P.S. I live in Massachusetts too, Corinne, so if you ever want to talk ghosts over coffee, hit your girl up. We're going to Lizzie Borden's house. You can't go there without me. So, okay, I'll wait for you. I'll wait for you. <laughs> Thank you. I know this is your birthday, but like, <laughs> try not to hurt my feelings. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I wasn't thinking. <laughs> wow. Okay. So creepy. And I don't even know what to make of it because when you think, ordinarily, when you think of like a dark shadow figure, they're not really benign. Like they're a bit malevolent and a bit evil. Although, I don't know, I'm so back and forth because right now I'm picturing this being just like standing there pointing at me and I lose my mind. But then on the other end, you've brought up, Sabrina, in a previous episode, the idea that perhaps if someone is in the afterlife, not hasn't come to terms with their death or died in a way that would not be like an easy way to present themselves if they were still struggling with the way that they died or the way that they looked after their death, that perhaps they could be cloaking their appearance to like lessen the horror that would be seeing them in their spectral appearance. So I'm almost wondering if there's this little boy who died horribly and is just like looking for comfort and doesn't really know how to break through to the next step in his spirit life and present himself as a little boy. So he's just this cloaked, creepy figure. Right, yeah. Because, I mean, yeah, it could be, like, either they don't want to appear the way they look, or they just, like, don't have the ability to, like, to control it. But there is something weird about the way that it cuddled her real quick and then moved to the edge of the bed and stood there, kind of, like, leering yeah. at her. Ooh, yeah. 
I hate it. There's something about it that just kind of seems almost controlling and manipulative, right? It's very unsettling. It is. But at least she doesn't live there and it's not where she has to sleep every night. (laughs) The selfish part of me is like, this is one of the great examples of a story where I'm like, I'm so glad it didn't happen (laughs) (laughs) I will say we have that a lot. We love all of your stories and we're so grateful for them. But it reminds me of how grateful I am that I don't have as many paranormal experiences. Yeah, this is one of those where you're like, why was I saying that I wanted to see something? Because this is what I could get. This is the result. (laughs) This is one of the options. You don't, it's not a choose your own adventure. You get what you get. And this could be one of them. (laughs) No, thank you. Okay, I have from Kenzie, seance with a creepy as fuck ending. Okay. Hey, girls. Love your podcast so much. I have a lot of catching up to do, so hopefully by the time that I'm caught up, you guys will have read one of my emails on the show. Hmm. So back in high school, me and some of my friends all had a big sleepover at my friend's house. As it got late, someone had the bright idea to try to have a seance. I think it was about five or six of us that were down to do it, while two of the other girls said that they were too scared and didn't want to. So they stayed back in the bedroom while the rest of us went into the kitchen and dining area. We looked up all kinds of stuff about the best ways to have one. And I think I vaguely remember it saying things about it being best to use a round table, use round candles, etc. All kinds of specific things to follow to have the best result. And we followed as many as we could. So we're all sitting around the table and start. I honestly don't remember much about the experience. Nothing too crazy happened during most of it. But I remember towards the end, all of us saw slash heard someone in the hallway. I remember it looked like they were on the floor in a crawling stance. (gasps) No. We all saw it and we noticed it. And literally none of us were even scared because we were all 100% sure that it was just the two girls that had stayed back in the bedroom trying to scare us. Oh my gosh. And after spotted, the shadowy figure seemed to go back down the hallway towards the bedroom and we even heard it go back down the hallway. So we started to finish up with the sounds, and I remember as we started closing out, a giant gust of wind came right through the open window and blew the vertical blinds up and slammed them against the wall. Coincidence or not, we all screamed and we hurried to say goodbye, blew out the candles, then went back to the bedroom to go to sleep, where we found the two other girls asleep as well. The next morning after we all woke up, we were telling the two girls about our experience and what all happened, and we also said, Yeah, and we saw you guys crawling down the hallway trying to scare us too. And they, honest to God, had no idea what we were talking about. They told us that they never left the bedroom all night. And I truly believe it wasn't them, but some type of spirit or demon that maybe we called upon with the seance. Chills from Kenzie. Oh, I'm picturing like a stormy night with like... (laughs) flashes of light from the lightning and you look down the hallway and there's just like this crouching crawling creature that disappears when the light flashes yes okay it's terrifying but here's just a fun spin on it a little fun you know um there's a hilarious prankster ghost who's like oh these girls are gonna do a seance i'm gonna scare shit out of them just kind of like what they thought that their friends were doing but Clearly, I think their friends wouldn't do that because they were so terrified of the idea in the first place. But this ghost is like, I'm going to mess with them and just starts like being creepy. That's what I would do. Oh, God, I guess maybe it's so creepy, though. It is. It's terrifying. It kind of reminds me a bit. 
I feel like I'm picturing the kitchen and practical magic too. <gasps> oh, I love oh, love that kitchen. I'm just picturing like a bunch of the women, like all holding hands together, all helping to r- banish this spirit. But instead, they're summoning this crawling demon at their sleepover. And the two other girls are just like, la, 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 like sound asleep in the bedroom. Next I door. would love to be the sleeping friend. Yeah. Until what if you, I mean, they didn't experience this, or at <laughs> least Kenzie didn't mention it. But what if you were one of the sleeping friends? And you heard something and you heard the door open and you just thought that it was one of the other girls like checking in or grabbing something real quick. But actually, it was the crawling figure because remember, it crawled from the hallway back towards the bedroom. Oh, I, I, yeah, that would be awful. But this is why sleep is great because then you're blissfully unaware. Yeah. And then it just crawls underneath your bed and scratches ever so slightly at the fabric at the bottom of your mattress every single night for three years. I'm going to have to check under my bed after we finish recording because I just scared. I scared us. I scared us together. You know, the only thing under my bed is Leia right now. This is from Kayla and I won't read the subject line. Hi all. I can't even think of a funny greeting because my fingers are moving so fast to try to get this story out. I apologize in advance for any typos. I started listening to the podcast a week ago and this is, this was sent in October of 2019 and I have been raving a about the podcast to all my coworkers, which has only encouraged my reputation as the ghost girl. Yes, ghost girl. Welcome. Yes. Ghost girls unite. We're here with you. I will tell anyone who will listen about the haunted house I grew up in. In fact, just last week at my friend's birthday party, we spent our whole night at the bar crowded around a table talking about the scary experiences we've all had in my mom's house. Most of my friends have never seen a ghost there, but they acknowledge how creepy it feels and how they feel just being inside the walls. So now, I'll share the stories with you. First of all, my mom's house is in a small country town in upstate New York. She lives deep in the woods, about half a mile from the road and closest neighbor. The house was built sometime in the early 1800s, and my mom actually grew up in there. Her childhood bedroom was my childhood bedroom. And I always had nightmares as a kid, but I never really thought that they were anything different from what other kids experienced because they were just my normal. When I was 12 years old, my mom and I were up in our attic putting Christmas decorations away when we found a large leather-bound book in the corner. The pages had a gold trim on them and it was covered in dust. When we opened the first page, we found a long list of names written in a very formal cursive. After reading more of the book, we discovered this was actually the meeting minutes for a secret organization. The writing was so fancy that I could barely read it, but the notes themselves didn't seem to be too interesting. The most exciting part of the book was a few pages later. As we flipped through the pages, we started seeing lip prints scattered across the pages. The red lipstick was everywhere, and as the meeting minutes stopped, drawings of dolls and girls in Victorian-style clothing started showing up. This was clearly the work of a child. We continued going through the book until we got near the end, and on one of the last pages, we saw the words, My Will, written in child handwriting. The will was a list of items that the girl planned to give away when she died. It said, I give my doll to Abigail, etc., etc., and it was signed by a girl named Adele. My mom swore that she had never seen the book before, and we both wanted more information, so we took the book downstairs and put it in our spare bedroom, And this is when I remember my ghost interactions all starting. For my entire life, I've always felt eyes on me, especially when I was upstairs. My bedroom was at the end of the hall and the bathroom was in the middle. 
Our attic was one of those ones where the stairs came down from the ceiling and it was right outside of the bathroom. I remember I always left my bedroom light on when I went to the bathroom and once I was finished in there, I would sprint back to my room, switch the light off and jump into bed. I don't think that's normal behavior for an adult, but I still run every time my mom asks me to get something upstairs for her. One time, my mom's boyfriend decided he wanted to go into our cellar and try to talk to any ghosts. Now, I also don't go into the cellar. There is a massive hole in the wall that leads to God knows where, and there are wooden heads propped up on the windowsill. So I just don't mess with it down there. Anyway, he goes down into the basement with a tape recorder, and my mom and I are standing up in the kitchen. Suddenly, my mom looks to the window and says, Kayla, what does that say? And I thought she was trying to scare me, but sure enough, the kitchen window was covered in a layer of fog and the word will was written in the fog. We both shrieked and ran to the basement staircase yelling for her boyfriend to come back up. Later in my teens, I remember sitting on my bed getting ready to go out and out of nowhere, my TV turned on. I thought I must have been sitting on the remote, so I stood up and I turned it off and I sat back down on the bed and the TV turned back on. I stood up again to find the remote and saw it sitting on my dresser. I turned the TV off and checked to make sure the wire was plugged in all the way. As you can probably guess, it turned back on. I didn't feel scared. I just said out loud, Adele, stop it. And the TV turned off. I always felt Adele's presence. She wanted to play. I knew there were other people watching me and ghosts in the house, but it didn't feel like I was ever going to be harmed. When I returned home from college to visit my family, I was sleeping on the sofa downstairs and I was in the stage of falling asleep where I was still aware of my surroundings, but drifting in between dreams. Suddenly, clear as day, I heard Kayla in my ear. It was a whisper, but it sounded very urgent. I shot up and looked around, but no one was there. I was sure it was a girl's voice. So now let me tell you about the experiences of other people in my house. Like I said, my mom grew up in the house, and I asked her a few years ago if she ever felt it was haunted. Turns out she had wanted to tell me for years, but didn't want to scare me. Even now, she doesn't mention it much because she still lives there with my nephew, and my mom is a total scaredy cat, so I don't know how she does it. She says that when she was very little, before she moved in my room, her room was the playroom, which is across from the bathroom. It's the same room where we put the leather book when we found it. And she believes that this was Adele's room because she used to have terrible nightmares there. When she was older, she moved into what was my room and said that she would wake up in the middle of the night and she would be standing at the light switch, frantically turning it on and off with no memory of how she got there. She would wake up and be down the hall, standing in the closet of the playroom, and she would hear voices of people going up and down the stairs all night. Next, my nephew, he's 12 now, but when he was three, he was standing in the hallway as my mom used the bathroom, and she heard him talking to someone and asked what he was doing. He replied, I'm talking to the man. My mom said, what man? My nephew replied, the man standing outside of Aunt Kayla's room. And now this is the first time I had ever heard of a man. I always thought Adele haunted our house by herself. My nephew wasn't scared of the man, but then again, most kids never are. About two years ago, my now husband and I were living with my mom while we waited for our house to be ready. He is from Thailand and comes from a deeply Buddhist family, and he called me frantic one day while I was at work. He told me he had experienced sleep paralysis. He woke up and opened his eyes but could not move his body. He stared straight ahead into my closet and saw a black figure standing there. He could not see a face, but he was sure that someone was there. He said he just stared at the figure until he could move his body, and as soon as he moved a limb, the figure disappeared. Now my husband said he has had an experience like this before, 
and when he was a kid in Thailand, he would often wake up and see black figures. His mom sent him to the temple where he served as a monk for several weeks, and he hadn't seen any figures or experienced sleep paralysis until this instance at my mom's house. Now for the final thing, and I appreciate you staying with me. A few years ago, my mom hired a company to come out and see if they could redo her roof. They had to go up into our attic and they were there for a few minutes. When they came back down, the two men told my mom that they had to leave immediately. They told her they felt something really awful in the attic and would not be able to do her roof if it meant going back up there again. She was confused as to what had happened. They asked her if she had a Ouija board in the house, which she does and keeps in her closet. She said she's so scared of it that she pretends it isn't there when she goes to get dressed. They told her she needed to get rid of the board immediately. And they said, if you ever hear knocking at the door on the side of your house, don't answer. Now, this door leads to nothing. It faces the woods and we have never used it as an entrance to the house. The men said, you will see two figures there and they will look like your parents, your grandparents who have been dead since I was a toddler, but they are not friendly. Do not open the door. And then these guys left. These two random guys who were just there for a roofing job were so freaked out that they literally fled the property. So that about sums it up. I'm sure more happened when I was a kid, but it's hard to remember. I'm not very religious, so I always struggle with the idea of an afterlife or logic behind people being able to watch over us after death. But I know what is in my mom's house, and I know what I feel when I am by that side door or when I am upstairs in the hallway. Everyone who goes to her house feels it too. Thanks for sticking with me through that essay, and thanks for sharing so many stories that make me more of a believer. Happy early Halloween, Kayla. Okay, who are these guys? How? This is exactly what we were talking about. Just like having the ability, going about your normal life, but then being able to give these messages. Like these guys were just there for a roofing job. And you would have never known that they were sensitive or had any like psychic or medium powers, what have you. But then for them to not only identify like, okay, the vibes are off, but also we're like, do you have a Ouija board and here's your warning and here's what you'll see and here's where it will appear. They knew so much. So much. I would watch that reality TV show in a second. Psychic roofers. Psychic roofers. Oh my God. But I also wonder if they're not psychic and that doesn't happen to them regularly. And whatever happened to them up in the attic, they were like, we're in this like weird trance where they were freaked out, but also simultaneously meant to give this message. And I'm also so curious, has Kayla's mom ever experienced that? That How creepy. It's almost like black-eyed kids. Yeah. It actually reminds me a little bit, not nearly to this extent, but our friend Marissa, who lives in Nashville, lives with our friend Kelly, and Kelly owns the home. And she has had the construction and whatnot occur. She's sort of like flipping the house mm-hmm. a bit. But there is this one guy who has been there, I think, a few times, one of the contractors, And he has given them Palo Santo to do some cleansing before. He was like, here, take this. I mean, I guess if you spend so much time in houses, you've probably seen a lot. Yeah, you might be way more tuned in to sort of the vibes and what's going on. If you, I'm sure it probably strengthens your ability if you already have a bit of it to begin with. Oh, I'm sure. But also, okay, I need to know more about Adele's will and... I know, I know, that's so... And the secret organization that was having meetings in this house. And it's so weird that the front half of this journal was a secret organization and then it just turns into like a young dying child. Right. But also I feel like I feel like when I was a kid, 
I think after watching, I don't know, I don't know why this movie comes to my mind, but it probably wasn't that, but Flowers in the Attic, or maybe it was Cinderella Story, when I was just like, oh, I need to have a will so that, like, when I, if I die young, everyone knows what they're going to get. Granted, I had nothing to give. Maybe my Barbies and my Beanie Babies, which still haven't become valuable, but um, that I, I feel like I wrote wills in my notebooks. But the fact that it is a young ghost, I mean, maybe she was actually dying. Or there was just like a secret organization that like disbanded or got caught. And then this journal got left behind and a young girl found it and was like, I'm going to use this for my own journal. Yeah, you're right. It could have been kept in the house. And then the next family moves in and this little girl finds it and is like, la 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 in her room journaling. Or her parents were like leading the secret organization and she like found their journal and then decided to use it. And they never found their, their secret organization book ever again. And then they thought their rival secret organization was trying to expose them and it caused a whole turf war. Should we start a secret organization, Corinne? I think so. What should we call it? No, that's a secret. (laughs) We can't tell anyone. (laughs) Two members, just you and I. Two members, one secret organization. (laughs) I'm in. Uh, Okay, I have an email that has a very similar subject line as the very first one you read. This is Aliens, Bigfoot, and Family Curses. Oh, my. So you did pick a Bigfoot one for your birthday. I did. I did. I guess I did. You didn't even think about it. It just happened. It's just by default. I think I I always try to squeeze one in every episode. (laughs) Okay, this is from Liz. Hello, ladies. I've been a huge fan of you girls for the past year and a half. I used to be an EMT in Los Angeles and worked 24-hour shifts. I got my partner hooked on you guys, and we would listen to your podcast the entire shift. We even made some of our patients listen (laughs) to you guys, too. So good. Unfortunately, I can't listen to you guys as much since I got a new job with the LAPD as a 911 dispatcher. I mean, the job is great and exciting, but I miss listening to you guys while I work. Anywho, I have quite a few stories for you. Sorry in advance, this is going to be a long email, so bear with me. The first one is about my encounter with what I believe to be Sasquatch. Back in 2015, I was a wildland firefighter in the Shasta Trinity National Forest. It was my third season, so I was pretty familiar with plenty of the local wildlife. Sometime in August, my engine got assigned to cover a station near Happy Hump, California. For many of you who don't know, Bigfoot is a pretty big deal in that town. Many people who live there have had experiences and stories. They even have a statue in the front of their supermarket. Oh. It's also about an hour or so away from Willow Creek and Hoopa, California, where the infamous Bigfoot video was filmed and the Bigfoot Museum is. Anyway, back to my story. One evening, we were driving around in the engine outside of town, checking out the scenery. Right before we headed back to town, we decided that we would stop at a trail that led to a creek. We were about a quarter of a mile away from the engine, just screwing around, skipping rocks. And then all of a sudden, we heard this howl, scream, not too far away from us. I didn't think much of it at the time because I'm an LA girl and I figured it just must have been an animal or a bear or whatever it was that I hadn't heard before. When I looked up at the guys, they all had a panicked look on their face, scanning the area. That's when I started to worry and we all agreed to get the fuck out of there. We started hiking our way back pretty quickly and could hear the brush rustling not far behind us, which made us practically run back to the engine, hop in, and drive off as fast as we safely could. I asked the guys what the fuck was that, 
And since they were all pretty avid hunters, and I figured that they would know or be semi-familiar with the sound, they said that they'd never heard that before and it definitely wasn't a bear or a wolf or a mountain lion. We got back and we called it a night. The next day, we drove over to the station that we were covering and we started talking with the battalion chief about our experience. He smiled and started Googling something on his phone and he asked us, did it sound like this? And he played the video for all of us and had the same dead stare and chills run up our spines. Well, at least mine. It was the same howl, the exact same howl that we heard. He told us that this was a recording from what was believed to be Bigfoot somewhere in Oregon. Still freaks me out to this day. So my second story happened in Lancaster, California, which is where I grew up, pretty close to the Edwards Air Force Base. And let me tell you, if you pay attention to the sky during the day, you sometimes notice some weird-ass cloud formations over in the direction of the Air Force Base. And at night, you see some pretty weird shizness. Anyhow, this is one weird story, so sit down and buckle up. In 2012, I worked at a local movie theater and would normally work the closing shift. I'd get home pretty late, especially when we would have premieres. One particular night, I was getting home around 1.30 a.m. and I noticed a weird light coming from behind my house. I didn't think too much of it, thought maybe it was our neighbor's motion sensor lights, and figured their dog was taking care of business in their backyard. To paint the picture, we live in a cookie-cutter neighborhood, so the houses are all kind of close to each other. I walk inside my house and I head to the kitchen for a snacky snack before I head up to my room. All of a sudden, I heard a commotion coming from my parents' room and then a weird loud-ass humming sound coming from outside. Let me tell you ladies now, I am not stupid and I love paranormal stories and whatnot, but I sure as hell don't want to be a part of any. I'm a damn chicken. (laughs) So you bet your ass that I didn't look outside. I was not going to go upstairs. I love my family, but believe me when I say... I was about to run the fuck back out to my car because at that moment I thought, everyone for themselves. (laughs) (laughs) About a moment later, the humming stopped and still in the kitchen, I stayed still and listened to see if I could hear anything else. What seemed like forever and was probably actually only a minute later, I heard my parents' door open and my dad call out for me. I thought, oh, thank God. My dad was probably just watching TV and the commotion I heard was him trying to close the leg rest on their couch in their room. And so I told him I was home and he came downstairs. He told me that he had the weirdest dream and began to tell me about it. He said that he had a dream that he was sleeping and saw a bright light from the window that felt like he was floating. Next thing he knew, he thought he was in a hospital getting prepped for surgery. He said he doesn't really remember much after that, but just woke up feeling nauseous. I looked at him like, uh, what? And after that, I had a knot in my stomach and told him everything that happened from the light outside to the humming. And now my dad isn't like me in the sense of being scared. My dad believes in all things paranormal, except for my Bigfoot story, and he gets excited whenever he has an experience. My dad had a smile on his face after I told him this and just said, cool. (laughs) Like he was finally satisfied with his life. I thought, what the fuck, dad? You're weird as shit. And I went to my room, slept with the lights on, played a movie to drown out any noise, and we really didn't talk about it much after that because my biggest fear in life is being abducted by aliens, and that shit scared me. Also, Corinne, I too have been terrified of E.T. since I was a child, and to this day, I refuse to watch the movie. Sabrina, this was so your reaction. Like, if you got, you'd be like, cool, got abducted. You're right. (laughs) Well, (laughs) if it was like that casual, especially because like it felt like a dream, you know? Mm-hmm. 
Okay, my last story. This one is a doozy. My entire life, I've always been sensitive to energy, spirits, and whatever else lurks in the shadows. Growing up, I would see a lot, and to this day, I can still hear and feel, but mostly lost the ability to see stuff when I was around 15-ish. Like I mentioned before, I'm the biggest scaredy cat ever. My dad thinks that somehow I learned to block it out without even realizing it. I'm glad I can't see shit anymore because I hated seeing stuff. Anyway, here we go. My grandmother from my dad's side is from El Salvador, and we are actually part of one of the most powerful families in El Salvador. Now, how they came into power is crazy as fuck. Back in the mid-1800s, one of my ancestors married a woman from Jamaica who was rumored to perform odd rituals that were commonly from the Caribbean area. Legend has it that she convinced him to make a deal with the devil for wealth and power. Well, that rumor spread fast, and soon everyone knew about it. Workers and guests would see weird lights and hear inexplicable noises coming from their plantation. The rumor of the deal was that he would get all of the youth, riches, and power that he wanted in exchange for his soul and the souls of the next seven generations. Another rumor was that the family had to make a human sacrifice every so often. Some say they would drink virgin blood and have sacrificial orgies. The reason why this legend even started was because he literally became rich overnight and it made no sense to anyone. The part that got me fucked up was the part of selling the souls of his future ancestors. Yeah. My dad and I worked the family tree and figured out that my dad is either fifth or sixth, and I'm either sixth or seventh down the ancestry line. So what the fuck? My dad and I have come to the realization that this is probably why my brother and I, along with most of my family members from my dad's side, are sensitive to spirits and energies. That's all I have to say for today. Stay spooky. See you on the other side. Or at your next live show in LA. LOL. Liz. Okay, I need to know more about her family. Liz. I know. What a cliffhanger. I just read a book that kind of reminds me of that a little bit. It's called Seven Sisters. It was okay, but it had like a very similar, like the girl's father was like so obsessed with power. He was like willing to do anything for it. And part of me is like, okay, did the family make a deal, you know, and sell their souls or mm. is that just like the rumor that was spread because no one wanted to like give him or give the her family the credit that they deserved you know yeah i want to know how he became so wealthy overnight too because it sounds like it'd be one thing if there was just like rumors in the community and the family was like oh my god get over it like we this is the wealth that we accumulated we worked really hard blah 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 but even the ancestors are like we don't really know how it happened so quick <laughs> and are kind of buying into these rumors and so i wonder if maybe it's one of those cases where her great 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 grandfather found like gold or, or like some buried treasure yes some sort of treasure and became instantly rich and never said anything because like i think a lot of treasure and stuff has other people have the rights. The government has the rights, like blah, blah, blah. And so you just have to stay quiet. Or I just imagine like his family used to live in this house and they didn't believe in banks. And so they buried all their money in the backyard. And one day he was like planting in the backyard and he found found the buried money. And he was like, oh, my God, our ancestors left so much money behind. We're filthy rich. Oh, wouldn't that be great? I've always thought that if I win the lottery pre pre COVID-19. I thought if I won the lottery, I wouldn't tell anyone and just like maybe live my life at normal for like three years and then suddenly be like, yeah, I just came into some money. So no one would know that I won the lottery. 
But now, now I think I'd just, <laughs> I would just do what, I, what the fuck I want right now. There's nothing you could do, though. I could build a house. That's true. Build a house in the middle of the woods. I could build a fairy cottage. <sighs> One day. One day. I can't get over the Bigfoot call. The Sasquatch. Yeah. That is wild to me. And that it matched the sound that was captured in Oregon when they were in California. A whole state away. That's just crazy to me. And it reminds me of, I know I told you about this, but that that documentary, Missing 411. They have Missing 411 children and then they have Missing 411 hunters. And the hunters one. Oh, never heard of that one. You have to watch that one. That's the one that has the crazy, crazy audio recording and video recording of these like weird sounds in the woods in California, in one of the national parks. And they believe it to be Sasquatch. I believe it to be Sasquatch too. It's just, it's also amazing that her supervisor was like, yeah, did it sound like this? It was so, like that was just normal. Yeah. Ooh. So creepy. Proves more people believe in Bigfoot than you think. And then the Edwards Air Force Base, we covered that a few episodes ago. And that had Bigfoot, like the Sasquatch captured on film in the Edwards Air Force Base tunnels. And so for her to have grown up nearby and then for Liz's dad, for her dad to essentially be abducted by aliens, like something is going on. Something is afoot. It's Bigfoot. (laughs) Something's afoot. This is from Eddie and it's called... An almost abduction. I was listening to one of your podcasts about being able to hear ghosts. I never knew this was a thing, but it brought back a memory from sixth grade. I've always heard this woman's voice since I was little, but I thought it was just in my head. It only came up calling my middle name, Taylor, over and over when something bad was about to happen, and I'd get this gut feeling and wouldn't go or do something I was about to do. If I would ignore it, I would end up getting into trouble or getting hurt. Anyway... One day, I was walking home from school with my little sister, and I had headphones in listening to music when this feeling of dread and fear took over my body. I heard a voice, it was the woman's voice, shouting at me, Taylor. I looked up, and I noticed something. There was this car following us. To make sure it was following us, my sister and I stopped walking at some point and hid behind a brick mailbox. Sure enough, the car stopped, turned around, drove down our street, didn't see us, and turned back around. So we started walking again, and the voice said even louder, Taylor, run! When I looked to my right, the same car was following along with us. I grabbed my sister's hand, and we took off running as fast as we could all the way home. It was very scary, but I believe that whatever this voice was saved my sister and I from being abducted the second time in my life. The first time, I was in fourth grade. My friend Luke wanted to walk to the CVS, which was about a mile away. And the voice came to me when we left the trailer park, walking along this long wooden fence, when a big white van pulled off the road and two men got out of the van and started towards us. The voice in my head said, Taylor, fence. I looked right and sure enough, there was a small waterway going under the fence that two small kids could easily go under, but was too small for adults to fit. So we ran away as fast as we could. I never knew you could hear ghosts until this podcast but I believe that this ghost was my guardian angel and that she was trying to protect me from these men or these people who were trying to abduct us. Eddie. Wow. I know. I'm thinking guardian angel or another relative that had passed away. Either way, it's two different moments, same voice coming through. And I'm assuming 
enough time that had passed between those two incidents. I forget if Eddie said the ages of both, but oh my gosh. And also so terrifying that nearly two abduction incidents happened to poor Eddie. I know. I was thinking that too. Two feels like a lot. One is too much. I mean, yeah, one is too much. It's another thing too, because I feel like sometimes you probably don't even realize that you might have been in a situation where you were about to be abducted, but then, you know, something intervenes, you take a different course, another car drives by, what have you, and you might never know. But for these instances, these two occurrences to be so clear and so, so pointed with you need to run, you need to get away. And also that this woman calls Eddie Taylor, which makes me think, and I know it's Eddie's middle name, but what if it's also the name that Eddie went by in a past life? And this is like a guardian, <gasps> whether it's from a past life or oh my God, or just chills. has been protecting Eddie for many lives and refers to him as Taylor because that was... I think my leg hair just grew another (laughs) inch because just full body chills, full body chills. Yeah. How interesting. Oh, I don't know, but I'm so glad that he has this vocal guardian who gives him very clear instructions and he feels confident enough and compelled enough to follow them and follows them to safety. Okay. I have one to end us on. It's a short one. This is from B. It's called Spooky Savannah Dorm. Hello, ladies. This is probably my third time writing, but listening to Encounters makes me keep remembering more stories. Lately, people have been sharing their stories about Savannah, so I thought I'd share mine. I attended a school in Savannah and lived in a dorm named Pulaski. My first year I lived there, I lived on the main floor, and I had no experiences or creepy feelings. But the next year was different. I moved into a room on the top floor and I immediately felt a different feeling. I had three other roommates, but on this particular night, I was there alone. I was in bed going to sleep when I felt a woman's fingers with long nails comb through my hair. I sat straight up with goosebumps all over me and I looked around the room and yep, I was for sure alone. That night, I could not sleep. In the same room, me and my roommates always talked about footsteps running above us. We were on the top floor and above us was only a small crawl space for maintenance. It definitely wasn't an animal because it was way too heavy. So I decided to call the ghost David. And we would always talk to him and say, David, it's time for me to go to bed. And most times his noises would stop after that. Living in Savannah, I personally haven't had any other experiences, but I know people who have. It's such a beautiful city and you guys should definitely make a trip. Thanks for all you do and see you on the other side. B. Well, we need to go to Savannah. We've been saying it. We need to do it. When it's okay to go again, we're going to go. I also, okay, the fingers being brushed through her, her hair is terrifying. It is really creepy. But it also is very endearing and could be sweet and like an attempt at comforting. Right. Leia wants me to brush my fingers through her hair right now. <laughs> yeah, it makes me wonder if if perhaps there was some sort of like nervous energy that B was giving off because she was completely alone that night. Like if she wasn't used to sleeping alone or was just like generally just a little nervous about being alone in that dorm room. I don't know how often she was alone, but I wonder if there was some sort of spirit that was like, oh, she needs she needs comforting. I'm going to I liked when my parent did this to me and like rubbed their hands through my hair. I'm going to do that to this person. It reminds me of and I'd mentioned it to you before, but when in middle school and I was going through like really rough bullying and was 
super depressed and really sad and would like cry every single night going to bed. There was a spirit that had presented herself for a few years. Like I, I felt her and saw her for like probably two years. And she came from the corner of my room right by sandwiched in between my closet and the mirror, which is like a very creepy place to be. But she was tall and she had really long, dark hair and wore really like big, baggy, drapey, dark clothing. She, she sounds scary, but she would walk over to me on these on like my especially bad nights and she would like run her hands through my hair. What if it's you from a past life and you meet her again in this? Oh, my God. I feel like I'm going to cry. <laughs> past life regression you do on your birthday. <gasps> What if I finally find her? I was never scared of her. She always made me feel because she's better. you. <laughs> I'm gonna. I'll let okay. you know. I'll try to not put that in my head because I don't want to influence right. my experience. Okay. I'll, I'll stop talking. But, but I have theories. <laughs> can't okay. wait to hear. <laughs> wow! Happy birthday, Corinne! And can't wait to hear about everything that happens on your birthday past life aggression. I'll tell you in two weeks. Can't wait for all of you, our listeners. Please, as a birthday gift to Corinne, as an anniversary gift to our podcast, as a birthday gift to me, send us your ghost stories, anything and any story, yours, your family's, your friends, your cousin's friend who once dated your ex-boyfriend. I don't know. Just email them to us at twogirlsoneghostpodcast at gmail.com. <laughs> we want to read yeah. them. Uh, we also have a variety of ways to support us. You guys have heard them all before, but if you can rate and review on iTunes, that's super appreciated. Just word of mouth telling everybody about this podcast. And we also have Instagram. We have Facebook group you can join, Twitter. We have Patreon. We have merchandise, et cetera, et cetera. And we have a couple of thank yous to say. First, thank you to Eric Foster and Max at Upfire Digital for editing our podcast. We're forever grateful and indebted to you and your genius ears at listening to our podcast and editing it and making it sound better. And thank you to our Patreon donors who give us so much joy and love. And we hope we give you back enough because we're so grateful for you. And we will see you on the other side. Very spooky.